listening to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with host Shereen Rice on the CWR Talk Network. Good evening. This is Shereen Rice with Making a Difference About Domestic Violence. My goal for this show is to educate and help in the healing journey for those that are suffering from domestic abuse. I am live, so if you'd like to call in, please call 917-889-8078. If you're listening tonight and you can't call in and you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at shereencwr at gmail.com. Let me spell that out for you. S-H-A-R-E-E-N-E-C-W-R at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I want to do a shout-out tonight to Nali Fakahua and Sam Latui for dedicating their themselves to helping victims and helping abusers stop abusing. They facilitate for PICTAR, which is a great organization out of Salt Lake City um, area. And uh, they do an amazing job. I would like to remind everyone that our show is on every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 Mountain, 8 p.m. Central. My show can also be heard on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Play if you subscribe to those services. If you want a direct link to those services, you can go to the CWR homepage, and our website is cwrtalknetwork.com, and click on the logo for that service. If at any time you experience a trigger, and I really do think tonight may be triggering for some, um, I have two numbers. I have the uh, domestic violence hotline and I have the suicidal hotline. So um, the national um, domestic violence hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. Okay, I'm also going to give you the suicide hotline, uh, 1-800-273-8255. And uh, let's go to a public service announcement, and I'll be right back. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. Welcome back. This is Shereen, and I do not have a guest tonight. I want to talk a little bit about domestic violence and suicidal ideation. So I'm going to go through a lot of different processes as I do that. 
the first thing I want to share with you is domestic violence survivors have a higher risk of suicidal thoughts than a non-domestic violence person. 23% of survivors of domestic violence have attempted suicide as opposed to 3% of non-DV. I'm going to read you something from domesticshelters.org. I actually kind of like this um, group because they put out a lot of good stuff. Um, it's not just physical violence that's linked with an increase in suicide. Verbal and emotional abuse are also connected with higher risk, as well as the duration, frequency, severity of the abuse, and the presence of other factors such as PTSD, childhood trauma, depression, and substance use. The common denominators they explain are while domestic violence increases the risk of suicide, survivors may face other factors that further increase their risks. So this just increases the risk. The other one is what why you're in a higher risk. Being female increases the risk. Uh, low socioeconomic status, lack of education, employ, unemployment, increasing age, being married and not working outside of the home. So there are several additional factors besides the first ones that I shared with you. When dealing with abuse, we need to cut off from our abuser, and that's probably one of the hardest things that you'll ever do. It is a death of sorts, so you'll need to go through the grieving process. When we break up with an abuser or we leave an abuser, we have a grieving time period. So let's go through the grieving process. Everyone deals with grief a little differently. They may wear it on their sleeve or they may hold it in. Everyone does it a little bit differently. So suicidal ideation is embedded in the grief process. So let's go through uh, the grieving process for a few minutes. Okay, so the first phase of grief is denial or isolation. When we feel overwhelmed, we just cannot believe this is happening or happening to us again. That's always my statement. How did this happen again? Have you ever said you just wanted to be alone after splitting from an abuser? I mean, I know a lot of people who do not want to go out with anybody for a while because they're just trying to take care of themselves. Sometimes it's safer to help heal uh, if we don't have anything to do with other people. I, I personally like to stay to myself at times after um, being with an abuser. And um, and so that's I kind of isolate. And I go into denial. I say, not again. How did this happen again? Anyway, so you have to make your inner circle small when that happens. It's a trust issue. We all, because think about it, we have been our trust has been completely violated and, and we've been completely betrayed by someone we totally trusted and loved and cherished and adored. And how is that even possible? My brain actually cannot even wrap around that. Someone you trusted explicitly betrayed that trust and you do not know who to trust. So you trust no one or you keep your inner circle very small to only those you know you can trust. For myself, it's only uh, a few very few uh, close friends and um, um, my best friend uh, by Dora in Portland is always one of those <laughs> and she knows that. So shout out to her, right? It's why we isolate. We feel it's safer to be alone than to try to trust anyone. Okay. The next area is anger. Keeping in mind that DV survivors 
our minds are skewed after we're dealing with an abuser, right? And so we're not thinking in a healthy manner. So keep that in mind as well. This is a period where DV survivors believe it is better for the world if their perpetrator is dead. So this is really not a good time for them. So he cannot hurt anyone else. So there may be some suicide, I'm sorry, homicidal ideation during the anger process. It's possible, not always. Um, you're probably saying this is crazy. Um, to healthy people, it is crazy. To unhealthy people, it is doing a service to the world. And I'm not kidding. Uh, I think if not every single 100% of all victims feel this way at some point, uh, it's a pretty high number. Um, this is where the world looks at the perpetrator as a great guy. And the DV survivor is saying, where in the heck is the karma? And life isn't fair. And all sorts of things are telling themselves because the abuser has already set up his opportunity to leave. And he's been looking, the abuser is looking like the victim and the DV survivor is looking like the abuser. This is not due to her reaction to his ongoing abuse. It is due to the abuser's ongoing smear campaign that he has set up, set her up to look like the abuser. And he minimizes everything he does and maximizes everything she does. And now she is done with him. So this is the time period where the victim reacts to the abuser and sometimes comes across as the abuser, not the victim. So when a woman gets physical with a man or his property, I always look at why she got physical. The percentage is so small that women get physical during abuse, they're mostly psychological, that this is very unusual. It's about 96% uh, of women are not physical. They're psychological abusers. I, I get in a lot of trouble <laughs> at times. I do. Um, Probably not surprising to those of you who know me. But uh, let me give you an example. Uh, there was this woman, and it was uh, it was like a YouTube video on someone's thing, and and she was she had a baseball bat, and she was smashing in the, hit this car, which was obviously not hers, probably her boyfriend or husband. And I made the, and they're all going like, whoa, and she's in a lot of trouble. And I said, uh, well, tell me what he did. And they're like, why did he have to do anything? And I said, because women don't usually get physical towards any person or any property of a, another person unless something has been perpetrated onto them. And so I, I took a lot of lashing on that one. Then I took it to a good friend who's a therapist, and I said, look at this, and what do you think? And she goes, he's cheating on her. And I said, that's what I said. I told these guys, she's cheating. he's cheating on her. And so um, cheating is abusive. Uh, and I'll tell you why, because all abusers have to have a harem of women. Uh, not all, but a lot of them have to have a harem of women. And so when he has pushed her over the edge, that's, Sometimes that happens. They wipe out their car. Anyway, um, number three is bargaining. So DV survivors are really good at bargaining. It sounds like this. If I did blank better or differently, we'd still be together. If only I was nicer or better as a person. 
um, it always starts with if. Bargaining always starts with if. And we also make deals with God or our higher power. Guilt usually goes along with bargaining. So you might be going to God saying, hey, just one more time. Let's try, try to work this out. Let's let's put this together. Um, for me, it was like, okay, so make him really sick, and I will take really good care of him, and um, he will just adore me forever. And I thought it was a great plan. God did not think it was a great plan. And so he chose a, a different method. <laughs> and we won't discuss that method, but it did work. So that that was good, right? Okay, so this is where the suicidal ideation or suicidal attempts come in. It's during the depression, number four, the grieving process, number four. There's a wide variety of reasons, um, such as blaming, shaming, regret, his smear campaign, life isn't fair, thought process, among others. We can't find sadness anywhere in survival. I mean, <laughs> we can find sadness anywhere in survival. We need to go through this level, but it is hard. You should have someone help you. This is where the suicidal ideation peaks. You need to have someone who understands this process to help you through it. You can easily sit in this process point for a long time. Um, hence why we need to have someone help us through it. The next um, and the last area is acceptance. This is where you accept life will be without him. The new normal. It is not that you don't still love him. It means you don't want to continue life with, with your abuser. You want to continue it without him. Also, it is acceptance that the person he showed you does not exist. Let me explain. An abuser always puts on a front. And how I explain it is I usually hold up one hand. I say, this is the guy that you fell in love with, this guy that you meet. He's very kind, loving, caring, hot, amazing, service-oriented, spiritual. Everything you would want in a man because he has created that facade for you. Then I hold up my other hand and I say, and this is who he really is. He's hateful, angry, malicious, uh, maligning, vindictive, manipulative, and he doesn't mind abusing you psychologically, physically, emotionally, sexually, or in any other way. So once we commit to this number one person that we love, cherish, and adore, right? Then the second person shows up. And we don't like that person. We don't know that person. And why is that person wearing the same face as the guy I fell in love with? Because this guy doesn't know, it isn't the guy that I married. And so then you get what I call the red rose phase where they're all sweet and kind and um cuddly and and complimentary and and take you out and they wine you and dine you and dance and and give you flowers and they tell you how wonderful you are and that then you go okay so that's the guy I married there he is okay so he's just having a bad day and we rationalize the other person so in the meantime our head is spinning and it's going back and forth okay but in the acceptance level or phase of grief we accept who he really is and you want to move on with your life without him 
It's probably the hardest decision you will ever make, and you'll go back and forth 29 million times before you make that decision. Okay, I'm going to continue on with um, talking about domestic violence and, and suicidal ideation in one moment. I'm going to have a post service announcement. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I improved my credit score. You're kidding, right? Uh, no. How are we supposed to be the bad boys of electrosynth pop if you're out there being responsible? The band is about to be discovered. This is our year. Uh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while now. You think anyone in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was worried about their credit score? I never really thought that Of we were... course they weren't. Rock stars aren't supposed to think about that kind of stuff. We're supposed to think about how many guitars we've smashed, write aggressively sensitive power ballads, start questionable fashion trends, tragically break up and blame creative differences. All right, all right, just... I thought maybe it was time to take control of my finances, you know? Start using a budget. Get out of debt. Set some goals. A budget? Debt? Set some goals? Listen, I knew that we'd have our creative differences, but I was hoping they'd involve a little more scandal. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. Welcome back. And if you're just joining us, this may be a trigger for you. So I want to give out the hotlines once again. The Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233. And the suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255. And to continue on, uh, we have just talked about the grief process, the grieving process, and um, what that looks like for a domestic violence victim. And since 23% of all victims attempt suicide or have suicidal ideation, uh, which is 20% higher than a non-DV person, Um, they're at one of the highest risks of suicide or suicide attempts. Okay, the grieving process is important while traveling through it, uh, traveling through it in several spots, you will have suicidal ideation. So suicidal ideation is not just in the depression. It could be at any point. Um, It could be when you're getting angry with him, you think, you know, I'll just take myself out when I take him out. And so things like this will develop. Be kind to yourself. Be patient with yourself. Understand the process. Have a friend who understands the process to help you walk through this process, like a life coach or a therapist. Suicidal ideation is skewed thinking, unhealthy thinking. It is usually when we think the world would be a better place without us or we want the pain to stop. Those are the two biggest uh, for uh, domestic violence victims is we think the place uh, we think the world would be better without us or we want the emotional and psychological pain to stop okay so please safeguard yourself against these it's um easy to fall into that pattern of suicidal ideation and uh, i just want to make a couple more comments from the domesticshelter.org um people They say it's important to recognize the link between domestic violence and suicide. There is a complete link, as I said, 
20% higher than normal, than um, not normal, regular um, people who have suicidal ideation or suicidal attempts. Some survivors may come forward with information about violence, but they may not mention the feelings of hopelessness and helplessness that accompany it. Other survivors may talk about or even attempt suicide, but might not connect their suicidal feelings with domestic violence. Even trained professionals may focus on their area of expertise, either domestic violence or suicide, and overlook the connection between the two. So if at any time that you're a domestic violence victim or survivor, you have, it's a great possibility and almost probably 100% if you're having suicidal ideation or suicidal attempt that is related to the domestic violence. So try to get with someone who is capable of connecting those two, as before I said, like a life coach or a therapist. If a domestic violence survivor is considering suicide, here are some ways you can help. Number one, help the survivor connect with support groups or other community resources. Uh, one of the best ways that I found that people with domestic violence, ex ex I don't want to say experience, um, who have experienced domestic violence, one thing that they can always connect to is the Internet. And there is groups all over. I have a group. Um, I belong to several groups. And so um, it's it, it's very helpful. You can connect at any time. Everything you say is safe. Nothing is ever revealed to anyone. Um, one time I remember, oh, this is probably four years ago, I get on and I say, I feel like I want to kill myself. And I did. Uh, it was just horrible what I was going through. And uh, it was it was psychological abuse. But keep in mind that domestic violence enhances by the abuser after the survivor leaves. Because remember... Um, at the time a survivor is trying to leave or after they leave is when 73% of all deaths occur in domestic violence. So that's when they up the ante on the psychological abuse or the physical abuse, right? Because that's when the deaths occur. So the domestic violence increases exponentially after you leave. So it's important that you connect with a group. I would say um, it doesn't have to be one that you go to because of the fact that sometimes you can't get to them, right? They usually at certain times and so forth. Um, but there are social media ones on Facebook and and all the other ones, Instagram and so forth, okay? So reach out to those as well. Encourage the survivor to seek help for the domestic violence so they can break the cycle. That's fostering the suicidal thoughts because everything seems to have a cycle and it comes back. And uh, it's it's awesome. They walk you through it. They're like, so what brought that thought on and what brought that thought on and what brought that thought on? And let's let's walk back and see where this is started and festering. And that way they can really dig in and um, dig that out. Okay, encourage the survivor to reduce dependency on drugs or alcohol if these factors are present, since these substances can increase suicidal urges. There's, you know, I'm going to say uh, it's not just dependency on drugs or alcohol, but I also found that uh, victims of domestic violence also 
seek, uh, they may not do drugs or alcohol, but they'll seek a soother. And that soother will also bring them more problems, right? Um, one might be food. One might be um, sex. Whatever it is, it's, it will bring them more problems with causes, which causes the increase in the suicidal ideation. Okay, build a strong social bond with the survivor and help the survivor build solid relationships with others outside the abusive relationship. One thing victims or survivors of domestic violence have a hard time with is they have a hard time identifying a person that's not an abusive um, an abuser. Um, so help them with that. And you might not know what it is either. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know what it is because every time um, I hook up with someone, they seem to be have abusive tendencies. That doesn't mean that everybody out there has abusive tendencies. It means they're the ones that I find. But I'm going to have to tell you that I'm getting better because the last one is six months and the most recent one has been six weeks before I identified the abusive tactics that they used. And um, anyway, so um, you'll get better and better at it all the time and help them to get better and better at, at, at it as well and to be able to see those abusive tactics. Um, it is some reading this from domesticshelters.org, right? And so it says it is pound sign be the one two, B E T H E, the number one two T O. Okay, it's a suicide prevention program. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline encourages people to ask questions if they are concerned about suicide. It's okay to ask someone, are you thinking about killing yourself? And when I took a um, suicide prevention class, that's one thing that you have to ask. Don't worry that you'll be you'll give them ideas or make them more upset. People who are considered suicide often feel relieved that someone is asking and cares about them. So again, ask the question: Are you thinking about suicide? About killing yourself? I'm sorry. Are you thinking about killing yourself? And what that will do is sometimes it kind of shocks them into reality. Or, you know, they'll be absolutely honest because they want help. I've never met anyone who had suicidal ideation that really didn't want help. Actually, I've never met anyone who didn't. Everyone I've ever met who had any ideation wanted help. Okay. If they are thinking about suicide, ask if there's anything you can hold on to for them, such as weapons or drugs to help keep them safe. So these people, what did I say? They don't want to die right? They just want the pain to stop. So uh, they're going to give you those things. They're going to say, yeah, you know what? Take my gun or take my drugs or take my alcohol or, you know, my knife or whatever. Be there to listen to them without judgment and ask them if there is anyone else they would like to talk to. If they want to speak with family members, friends, therapists, or religious leaders, help them get in contact. And keep in touch. If you know someone is struggling, check in with them regularly and make sure they are okay and show them that you care. You know, that's the biggest thing that you can do for absolutely anybody is show them that you care. A few kind words. Tell them the great things that you saw about that they've done. Tell them the accomplishments they've had in their life. Remind them about those things. They've had so much negativity by their abuser and continued ongoing 
um, manipulation and demeaning and ridicule and so forth, that they don't see any purpose for staying in life. It's a difficult time period. I'm, I'm just asking everybody out there to reach out to those close to you and talk to them about suicidal ideation. Even though they may have not mentioned it to you, it may be something that might be crossing their minds. So you might want to say, hey, have you ever thought about, if you know someone's a DV victim, I'm going to tell you probably almost 100% of them have contemplated um, suicide. Uh, so suicidal ideation has definitely crossed their mind. And, um, and, and a lot of times they're open. They're just... They want people to know, hey, yeah, this happened a couple years ago or this happened last week. They want to live, but they want help. And so sometimes if you open that door, you say, hey, I care about you. I know you have had this bad experience in the past, and I just want to see how I can help. I want to leave this with you guys. I, I think this is a very important subject that we need to talk about more often. Uh, again, um, there was a big suicidal um a suicide awareness march in Salt Lake City last week, and um, and we need to try to prevent it. You can prevent it by being open and honest. This is not something we can sweep under the rug and um, vacuum over it a few times, and and then it will go away. That's not what this does. Suicide is real. It happens to those we love. Please reach out to everyone that you know that has had domestic violence in their life and see where they're at. God bless you all. Please pass this on for others to hear. Please stay safe. Have a good night.